Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll ask you to uh, turn in your Bibles to two openings of Scripture, 1 John chapter 4 and Romans chapter 14. We started a series several weeks ago on the greater one in you, and uh, we're using as a beginning point 1 John 4, 4. John speaking to those that were his disciples, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because... Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the, over, the ones that he's speaking of that we've overcome uh, were identified in the previous verses as evil spirits and the operation of Satan in the world. So he says, we have already been given everything that we need to overcome the devil in any way he presents himself, any problem that he brings up, digs up, or stirs up in our lives because of the greater one that lives on the inside of us. Now, we've seen that the Bible's very clearly identifies two separate workings of the Holy Ghost. There's a work of the Holy Ghost that recreates our spirit. The evidence of that or the, the result of that is what's identified in Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the spirit. The love of God is placed in our heart, shed abroad in our heart at the new birth according to Romans 5, 5. And all of a sudden we're able to love with the God kind of love. The Bible identifies the characteristics of that God kind of love as joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Then there's another work of the Holy Ghost. After Jesus breathed on the disciples following his resurrection in John chapter 20, he appeared to them behind closed doors and breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost, and something changed in their life. They weren't huddled up behind closed doors anymore. They were openly in the temple praising God. They, were, uh, they went about rejoicing. They were out in the open so something changed. Something happened to them. Well, the evidence that we see is the evidence of the new birth. But he told those same ones that he had breathed on and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost was poured out. And that's the, uh, the story that we have in Acts chapter 2. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see that there's two works of the Holy Ghost for the believer. First is to bring him into salvation and recreate his spirit. And then the second is to infill him or baptize him for service. Now, a lot of times we talk about this in, uh, well, in, in limited terms. Let me say it that way. I think a lot of times we, and I know I've been guilty of this. I'll be the first one to raise my hand on this one. I see the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, as it was identified for the disciples. You shall receive power after you receive the Holy Ghost or after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, we see when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, supernatural things began to take place. Those supernatural things mimicked or followed Jesus' works here on the earth in a parallel line. In other words, they began to do the same works as Jesus did. And we magnify and, and, um, uh, and use, for examples, the, um, the healing of the sick, for example, the casting out devils and those types of things. But folks, I got to tell you something. And this is something the Lord has just recently begun to bring back to my attention. I didn't want to get filled with the Holy Ghost so I could heal the sick. I didn't want to get filled with the Holy Ghost so I could cast out devils. I didn't want to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that I could be used in spiritual gifts. I didn't know anything about most of that stuff. I wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost because I wanted more of God. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. But it's, uh, it's so easy for us to look at things from the perspective that we are now. 
And ministry is first and foremost in my mind. It's the focus of my life. And so I, there's, there are things that the Lord has, has re, uh, reminded me of about the difference between where I am now and the purposes that I would see for being filled with the Holy Ghost today as opposed to where I was when I didn't know anything. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I just wanted more of God. I was convinced at that point in time in my life that all the things that I knew I should do, I wasn't able or uh, able to do. I didn't have the power to live up to. One thing about the church I grew up in, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. People that loved God, sincerely loved God with all their hearts. And they wanted to do right, and they taught us to want to do right. But they never gave us the source of power to enable us to do what they taught us to do. And the end result of that for me was condemnation. Because I knew I wasn't living up to what the Bible says that I should be doing. Yet I didn't have any power to be able to do what the Bible says I should be doing. So by the time I came around to the understanding that there was a work called the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I just wanted more of God. There's a, a story that uh, a Baptist, I mean, a, a Congregationalist minister told. He was uh, pastoring a small community church. They just called it a Congregationalist church because they, they wanted to make it open and uh, inviting to everybody. So they didn't have a denominational tag on it or anything like that. And this pastor got filled with the Spirit. He'd been pastoring for a long time. And so when he got filled with the Spirit, it changed his life. I mean, it changed everything about him. And since he already had a church and a a congregation, he used as much wisdom as he had in how to present it. But pretty soon, it didn't take too long before everybody knew, everybody in that congregation knew that he was filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so he was sharing one evening in his uh, in the church service talking about the baptism of the holy ghost talking about things that he had learned from the scriptures that he had ignored for many years before and so he was sharing with some things uh, sharing those things with the congregation about what the bible says and there was a guy that stood up in the back and, and interrupted the service challenged him and this this uh, pastor is just a, a sweet kind gentle old guy and so he said uh, he said well brother wait a minute he said, if you've got something to say, come on down here to the front where everybody can hear it. So the guy came down there, and he presented his objections. He said, I'm a Baptist preacher, pastor. I've been a Baptist pastor for a long time, and I'm just here to tell you that I've got as much of the Holy Ghost as you do, and that's it. And so the, uh, uh, the pastor of the, the Congregationalist Church pastor, the home pastor, said, Oh, dear brother, he said, I'm not trying to create controversy. I'm not trying to get anybody upset about anything. He said, if you've got all of God you want, that's okay with us. Well, this guy was insulted. And so he spoke up and he said, no, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm hungry for God. I want all that there is of God. So this congregationalist minister minister said, well, okay, then laid his hand on his head and said, fill him with the Holy Ghost, Lord. And he brought both hands up, lifted both hands up and began speaking in other tongues. As the Holy Ghost gave him utterance. I think that's one thing we need to keep in mind about the Holy Ghost. He fills hungry hearts. He doesn't fill every heart. Because not every heart is hungry. But he fills hungry hearts. I wanted more of God. For a couple of reasons. One thing was. I'd seen the change that it made in my mom. My mom was always. Faithful good church-going woman 
She loved God with all of her heart. And boy, when she got filled with the Holy Ghost, it lit a fire under her. Now, she could have done a little better in some of the ways that she was presenting herself to me about it. Because I'm, I'm brand new. I don't know anything. And she tried to push it pretty severely, pretty quickly, pretty heavily on me. And, and that kind of made me back up. If anybody tries to push me in something, my natural reaction is to slow down or stop or whatever. I want to figure it out for myself. But I got to the place where I saw that what she had was genuine. It was real. And I wanted more of it. I wanted whatever it was. I was desperate. I was desperate for God. You remember the days when you were desperate for God? I think a lot of us get comfortable with God now. But I was hungry. Man, I was hungry. Now, I didn't know too much about it. I got filled with the Holy Ghost praying by myself in my own bedroom, kneeling down by my bed before I went to sleep. But I let the devil talk me out of it. I didn't understand what it was about. See, I let the devil tell me the same lie that he tells so many other people. When I began to speak in other tongues, I didn't have any feeling about it. There was nothing about it whatsoever. I I hear people give their testimonies of the tongues just rushing out of them and the exhilaration that they feel and experience and so forth. I didn't have that. I didn't have a feeling at all. As a matter of fact, that lack of feeling was what made me susceptible to the devil's lie. Because as soon as I began speaking in tongues, the devil said, that's not the Holy Ghost, that's just you. Well, see, somehow or another, I had in my thinking that the Holy Ghost was going to use my mouth, move my tongue around and open and close my lips and speak through me. I think a lot of people think that without proper instruction. But over a period of time, I I didn't use it for several months because I, I thought that what I was doing was just putting on and it wasn't a real thing. But I got in a place where somebody could teach me and show me in the Bible where Acts 2, 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. I always read that thinking that the Holy Ghost began to speak. But that's not what it says. It says, and they, the 120, were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak. Same thing over in Acts chapter 10. It says when uh, in Cornelius' house, when Peter and the other Jews came down from Jerusalem to where where Cornelius lived, it said they were uh, amazed because they were filled with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It was them, the people in Cornelius' household. They're the ones that spoke. See, folks, the Holy Ghost doesn't need to speak in tongues. You do. Holy Ghost doesn't need power. You do. Acts chapter 19 says the same thing. When Paul laid his hands on the believers, got them saved, and then laid his hands on them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to magnify God. They were the ones that did the speaking. Well, once I figured that out, once I saw in the Word what, uh, what the Word said about it, then I don't think there's been a day in my life since that point in time that I haven't spoken in tongues. Now, there's some things about speaking in tongues that, um, well, can we say throw people? Uh, there's, let's say it this way. There's a lot of misunderstanding about speaking in other tongues. The, per, the private side and the public side and the, the benefit or the use for speaking in tongues for the individual. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's see some things Paul said. We'll go over some of these things. We've talked about some of them before, but we'll go over them again. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Paul said, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. First and foremost, you're not going to be talking in tongues for the benefit of either 
your own understanding or anybody else's understanding? Howbeit in the spirit. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Please notice that when you speak in tongues, your spirit is speaking. It's your spirit. It's the real you on the inside. Now, Weymouth's translation, as we've referred to many times, instead of says speaks mysteries, it, call, it in, uh, translates it as divine secrets. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But no man understands him. He's speaking to God. No man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks divine secrets. Now, let's talk about that for a little bit. What are divine secrets? What are divine secrets? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, Paul writing to the church gives us one of the great benefits of speaking with other tongues. Notice in verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The word infirmity here means weakness. He helps our weakness. Well, what are we weak about, Paul? Well, what weakness are you talking about? He goes on to explain, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, he's saying the same thing here that he said, uh, writing to the church in another letter. He said, we see through a glass darkly. Now we see through a glass darkly. This flesh that we're limited by keeps us from seeing and knowing everything that the way we will know it when our flesh, when we receive our redeemed bodies and we're able to stand before the Father. But until then, we're going to be limited in our knowledge. Paul said we know in part and we prophesy in part. We're going to be limited in our knowledge as long as we're here on the earth. Well, if we're limited in our knowledge, then that's going to keep us from being as effective in prayer as we could be if we knew, if we saw and knew things clearly. Doesn't that make sense? The greater information, the greater knowledge we have about any situation, the better we'd be able to pray about it. But since we don't have all the knowledge that we need in every situation because of the limitations of our flesh... God's given us a way to go beyond that lack of knowledge or that weakness that's caused by not knowing as we ought to know. So he gives us the Holy Ghost. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Notice he didn't say we don't know what to pray for. He just said we don't know what to pray for as we ought to know. As we would know if we were able to see everything clearly without the limitations of the flesh. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as well. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, one translation says, with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. P.C. Nelson told a group of ministers that Brother Hagin was a part of at the time about this verse. He said where it says in the Greek, with groanings which cannot be uttered, he said it should be uh, explained a little bit more in the translation with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. And then he described what articulate speech was. He said, it's your native tongue. If English is our first language, then it would say with groanings which cannot be uttered in English. If Spanish is your first language or your mother tongue, then he would be talking about with groanings which cannot be uttered in Spanish or any other, uh, any other language that we have knowledge of here on the earth. So he's saying that the, the Holy Ghost gives us groanings. The word groanings literally means God talk. It literally means God talk. Now we talked a little bit of just a few moments ago about the 
the difference between the Holy Ghost speaking and you speaking. When we speak in other tongues, it's us doing the speaking, but the Holy Ghost is the one giving us utterance. So the utterance is supernatural knowledge, mysteries, divine secrets, God talk that you can't express. None of us can express in our native language. But he that searches the hearts, notice it keeps going. Verse 27, and he that searches the hearts, talking about your spirit, knows what is the mind of the spirit. In other words, knows what is the mind of the Holy Ghost. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So notice whenever you're speaking in other tongues, you're speaking by the utterance of the Holy Ghost according to the will of God. The Holy Ghost could never give you utterance to, to pray or to speak contrary to the will of God because the Holy Ghost is the will of God. So it says God knows what your spirit is speaking. It's always in line with the will of God. I can tell you a lot of stories, and I'm sure they'd all be profitable for you. They sure have been for me in, uh, in understanding some of these things. But I'll give you a couple just real quickly. There was a, um, an article in the Pentecostal Evangel. It was a publication put out by the Assembly of God organization. And I think this happened in somewhere in the mid-40s, early to mid-40s, about a, a missionary to, uh, to Africa, somewhere in Africa. And he was, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up my stories. He wasn't in Africa. He was in, I think it was around the Philippines with all the, the islands and so forth. And so he was trying to get to, to one of these islands where he had a mission station set up and founded. And uh, there was only one way to get there. So he contracted with the captain of the, the boat to take him out and get him from one place to the, to the other. And so they went and they visited that mission station and then they were on their way back. But they got caught up in a storm and it was, uh, it was a real severe situation. The wind was blowing fiercely. And so this, uh, uh, the captain of the, the boat came over to the missionary and he said, well, he said, we're in trouble. He said, it's late at night. The clouds have blocked the stars. We don't have any way to navigate with, by the stars. And he said, uh, uh, he said, we, we think we know about where we are and what we have to do to get back home. But the, the place that we're trying to get to has a real rocky shore and a, uh, a real small inlet that we need to pass through to get back to land, get back to home. And so he said, we've got two choices. We can either stay out here and try to ride out the storm. And that doesn't look like that's going to work too well for us. Or we can make a run for it and risk being dashed on the rocks. And so the missionary said, well, he said, let's give it a try. Let's kneel down here and pray and commit our lives to God and then make a run for it, try to get home. So they were, they did just that. They knelt down and they prayed and asked God for his help and committed their lives to the Lord. And, um, and then the, the captain of the ship pointed him in the right direction, let him go. And after just a few moments of letting the wind take them and carry them and push them forward, they, they accelerated to a great degree. And the, the story that the Pentecostal missionaries told, uh, the way he told the story, was that after just a little bit, just a few minutes of going, heading towards the shore, he said all of a sudden the wind caught that ship, lifted it up over the rocks, and set it down in the bay. Well, the, the real story behind this was not just the, the miracle that occurred and the way that God saved the lives. 
But there was a, a, a lady in another mission station that this missionary went to visit some week or so later. And when he got there, she said, hey, uh, brother so-and-so, he said, she said, uh, were you in trouble last Monday night? He said, why? What do you mean? She said, well, she said, about 10 o'clock at night, I had just gotten off to bed. About 10 o'clock at night, I was awakened by the Holy Ghost. And she said, I had a burden to pray. She said, I prayed hard and heavy from 10 o'clock till midnight. And at midnight, I seemed to have a sense of relief. There was a lightness about it. I began to sing and praise God in other tongues. And she said, and then your face flashed before my eyes. She said, so I was wondering, last Monday night between 10 and 12, were you in trouble? He said, was I? That's when he told her the story about what had happened. And they figured it out, and it was just about that same time. It was just around midnight when that thing took off and cleared the the rocks and landed in the inlet or in the bay. Now, how in the world would she, or anybody else for that matter, know to pray for a missionary that's stuck in a life-and-death situation in the water, in the sea? See, the Holy Ghost helps you because you don't know what to pray for as you ought. He said in one of the, the real points of the story, they, were, uh, they published a story in the Pentecostal Evangel trying to get everybody uh, to understand not only the greatness of God, his willingness to take care and preserve his, his uh, children's lives, but also to get people stirred up to pray. This, this uh, missionary thought to himself, what in the world would have happened if she hadn't prayed? I wonder how many times things are set and determined by whether or not we'll pray. In March of 1981, I was uh, in my first year of Bible school and been there for about six months, I guess. And uh, around the middle of March, somewhere toward the middle, maybe the latter end of March, uh, Brother Hagin was teaching healing school. One of the things that the Lord told me when I got to Ramah was that healing school was a classroom situation for me, just like the morning classes. And so I, I geared everything around being able to be in those healing school classes at the direction of the Lord. And so... Brother Hagin was teaching in healing school, just had started. You know, they do a little bit of preliminaries up front. And, and, uh, and he just had started teaching on a subject, whatever his subject was for the day. And he stopped suddenly and he said, folks, I've got to pray. And I've got to pray now. So he said, if you want to join me, you're welcome to. If you don't want to stay for this, that's okay too, but I've got to pray now. So he started praying. He knelt down by a chair up on the, the platform and he started praying and uh, and it was a real unusual situation. I mean, just the, the manner behind it, it was real unusual. And he said, I don't know what, what we're praying about, but I have a witness that somebody's life is in danger. So he started praying. Well, at that time, I, I would like to say that I was a better prayer than I really was. But one thing that I had in my heart was about everything concerning healing school was to keep my own brother Hagin and learn from what he did. So I got in a situation, I'm sitting in a chair. I got in a, uh, a place where I could have a line of sight to him and watch what he was doing. So I'm praying in tongues, not nearly as fervently as he was. I don't have a burden for it, and I'm just trying to figure out what's happening. And during the time that, uh, that Brother Hagin prayed, it was about two hours that we, two hours in all, I guess. And uh, somewhere during that time, maybe halfway in the, into the two hours that he spent praying, he grabbed his stomach or his ch- chest, midsection, somewhere around there, and started crying out, I'm shot. 
I'm shocked. Well, that's not something you expect to hear in a church service. So that perked my interest up even more. So I kept my eyes open, kept watching. And there were several things like that that Brother Hagin said and did and, and, uh, and so forth. And it seemed to me that he was completely oblivious to the rest of the room. Now, I'm real aware of what's going on around me, but he was lost in the spirit. I, I hope that's an appropriate term. I don't know what else to say. But after about two hours, he began to sing and to laugh. There was a lightness, there was a, and, and you could feel it in the room. I mean, everything about it just changed. It wasn't a heaviness. There was no um, sense of burden at that point anymore. And it was just a real light thing. Well, after healing school was over, I was uh, one of the ones that made a beeline to him. I want to find out what's going on. And he told us, there was a small group of us after healing school. He walked over into a small office where we could have some privacy. And he said, fellas, I've been praying for President Reagan. President Reagan was elected in 1980, in November of 1980. And so he was just three or four months into his first term. He said, I've, I've been praying for President Reagan. He said, keep your eyes on the news. He said, now, here's what I don't know. He said, I don't know if we prayed to avoid the fact that he was shot or would be shot. He said, I don't know if we changed it or not. He said, but we either changed it, it'll be an unsuccessful assassination attempt, or if he is shot, he'll recover. He said, that between those two, I don't know which way it is. Well, on March the 30th, President Reagan was shot. Just a week, maybe 10 days later, President Reagan was shot. And the ones that knew ahead of time all looked at ourselves in amazement at how the Holy Ghost will help change things or preserve things. Now, you can't publicize, publicize things like that. I mean, the Secret Service come knocking on your door. And so, you know, in part, you're able to prophesy or see in part but thank God that the Holy Ghost helps us. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's finish reading this passage. Likewise, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings, God talk, which cannot be uttered in your native tongue. And he that searches the hearts or spirits knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And this we know, notice verse 28, and this we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I dare say we, everybody, every Christian is familiar with verse 28 because usually it's pulled out of context where people talk about whatever happens, God's behind it for some purpose for good, even though it looks like it's bad and even though it looks like a tragedy or it looks like somebody died before their time here on the earth, but all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Folks, things work out for good after you pray in the Holy Ghost. And they won't in many cases unless you do. You can't pull that verse out of its setting and just say, well, all things work together for good. But you can say that all things work together for good if you let the Holy Ghost help your infirmities by speaking in other tongues and praying according to his purposes. And there's a huge difference in those two situations. The modern day church has been robbed of the truth by thinking that whatever happens, God's working it out for our good. 
Well, our loved one died. All things work together for good. Maybe somebody will get saved. Folks, if God has to use somebody's death to get somebody else saved, they're not really very hungry. But things will work out for our good. Now, why is that? Go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, notice again what Paul said. Verse 2, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Again, notice that speaking in tongues is speaking in the spirit. It's a means of divine communication, supernatural communication. Some people ask, well, what's the benefit of speaking in other tongues? Folks, this is a great benefit right here. Do we not need a means to speak supernaturally to God the Father about things that we don't know? I think we do. God seems to think so too. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Notice verse 4. It says, And he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That means to build yourself up or to charge yourself like a battery. But he that prophesies speaketh or edifies the church. Notice Paul goes on to say in verse uh, Uh, verse 5 he said i would that you all spoke with tongues but rather that you prophesied for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues except that he interpret that the church may receive edifying skip down with me to verse uh, 14 he said for if i pray in an unknown tongue notice he's doing the praying notice it's not the holy ghost praying through him he's doing the praying for if i pray in an unknown tongue my spirit prayeth but my understanding is unfruitful. Let me ask you this. If we do not utilize tongues for their purpose that Paul is identifying right here, allowing our spirits pray, what other ways do you have to exercise spiritually? Paul talked about the difference between his flesh and his body in Romans chapter 7 when he describes his struggle with the flesh. He says, the man on the inside, I, the real me, the spirit that's on the inside, the eternal part of man, want to do the right thing, but my body pulls me into doing the wrong things. Well, what's he, what, what position is he going to take? Is he just going to say, oh, well, that's just the way it goes? He seems to be looking for an answer. I wonder if that's how he found out the benefit of speaking in tongues. I wonder if it was through speaking in other tongues You see in verse 18, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, he said, I'd rather speak five words with my own understanding than 10,000 words in another tongue so that others may be taught by what I know and what I say. So if Paul is speaking in tongues more than all these folks, but it seems that God doesn't use him in public services in tongues and or interpretation much, then what is he telling us is the benefit of speaking in tongues privately. Well, he he found out that when when we speak in other tongues, we edify or charge ourselves up spiritually some way or another. Sounds to me like he learned it through experience. Otherwise, how would he know? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the, the King James translation capitalizes spirit, walk in the spirit. So most people assume that means walk in the Holy Ghost, and it doesn't mean that at all. 
He's talking about walk according to the new man, the new created, the recreated spirit on the inside of you that the Holy Ghost indwells. God put a new spirit in you at the new birth and then the Holy Ghost came and lived in that spirit, lives there now. So when he says walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the the lusts of the flesh. If the Holy Ghost is given to us both in the new birth and in the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, don't you think the Holy Ghost would help us to live a better Christian life? Is it possible, let's say it another way, is it possible that the Holy Ghost would live on the inside of you and not lead you or guide you into godly Christian character? Jesus said one of the results of the Holy Ghost, he said, I'll give you another comforter, even the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. One translation reads that, or translates that, guide you into all reality. Well, what kind of reality or what kind of truth does God want us to be led and guided into? If not developing the same character of Jesus. One of the things that I found in my life is that once I was filled with the Holy Ghost, it made a big difference, a huge difference in me being able to conquer sin in my own flesh. Now, let me qualify that. I said it was a result of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, and that's true. But it really began to make a difference when I committed myself to speaking in other tongues. See, I was filled with the Holy Ghost for a long time. And I'd speak in tongues every day, but I didn't give it the, the place of prominence that it should have. I still let my life be dominated by my mind, and my mind was at best being renewed because I was just finding out some things about the word, what the Word said. And as a result, I used to have real anger issues. I'd fly off the handle at the drop of a hat. I can't tell you how many times I busted through the sheetrock with my fist. Got to be at one point where it looked like it was a decor down the hallway. But when I made a, a purpose, made a practice rather, and purposed to begin speaking in other tongues, that made a huge difference. A huge difference. A huge difference. Let me show you why. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. The Old Testament refers to the time when we would speak with other tongues. Isaiah twenty-eight eleven. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now I want you to notice it does not say with stammering lips and another tongue will this people speak to God. So now here this brings us some revelation. About God speaking to you, guiding you, leading you, directing you. Through the operation of tongues. That means specifically when we speak with other tongues god will show us things well the bible says jesus said the holy ghost will show you things to come and he'll guide you into all reality for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto this people to whom he said this is the rest well what's the rest this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing now rest and refreshing are are words that uh, pertain to And are directly connected to peace. There's not a lot of difference between the word rest and refreshing. But they're both elements or characteristics of peace. You remember Jesus said to the disciples before he left them. Before he went to the cross. He said my peace I leave with you. Not peace like the world has. But my peace I'll leave to you. Well what peace did he leave us? He left us the Holy Ghost. He left us the Holy Ghost. 
One thing that I learned from my own experience, folks, is that when I took it serious, when I really got serious about praying in other tongues for the purpose of being spiritually strengthened and edified, my anger issues diminished. It got to the point where, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying, I tried to think back before the service. When was the last time I flew off the handle and, and got upset? I can't remember. But it was a common occurrence before that. See, t- sometimes when people come up, they don't know they're giving themselves away. I've had uh, um, people come up before, say, Pastor Mike, you've got to help me. I've got such trouble with my anger. I just cannot control my temper. Well, they've just told me that they don't speak in other tongues very much. Because you can't be in the presence of the peace of God and not be affected by it. You can't be in the presence of the teacher, who's the Holy Ghost, without being taught or led into the things that God has provided for us by the Holy Ghost in the new birth. You just can't do it. I found that people that spend time praying in other tongues and understand the purpose for it and follow God's purpose for it in their lives, those are people that are not drawn away by their emotions. They're not tricked by their emotions very much. But you got a lot of people in the charismatic or Pentecostal part of the church that don't recognize and give themselves over to the work of the Holy Ghost when we speak in tongues. A lot of people want to be filled with the Holy Ghost so they can do the works of Jesus. Folks, Jesus worked on his character for 30 years before his three years of ministry on the earth. If that's a good ratio, we should be 10 times more inclined to develop Christian character, godly character, the, the character of Jesus than doing the works of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, by love, all men will know you're my disciples, not by the power of God. Now, don't get me wrong, that factors in. But the power of God doesn't do any good if we're not using it in love. If we don't have the godly character to sustain the works, the healings, the miracles, or whatever, what good are we doing? See, the Holy Ghost plays a, plays a big role in that too. He plays a big role in that. The thing that got me interested in this and, and really turned me around about it is I got mad at something when I was, uh, well, we've been uh, on the road traveling, had left Brother Hagen for about uh, a year and a half prior to that point in time, I guess. And I was invited to teach at healing school. Brother Hagen was going to be out of town for something. And so he asked me if I'd do healing school, so I did. Monday through Friday, 2.30 in the afternoon, preached healing school. I was honored that he wanted me to, to, uh, to do it, but I didn't realize, I didn't have the, the experience or the wisdom to know that a lot of times, right after God sets you in a position where you can be utilized, as his servant the devil wants to mess that up so just a couple of days after i had done that weeks of week teaching weeks worth of teaching and healing school there was something that happened at the house that i got mad about and i tried to put my hand through a door uh, and i picked the wrong door it was a solid door not a hollow cord door well you know what happened i broke my broke my knuckles so i went to the hospital 
I'm sitting there hurting like you can't believe. I mean, I'm in supernatural pain. And a nurse comes in, a nurse's assistant, whoever she was. She comes in. She says, what happened? Like she doesn't know. And so I told her what happened. She says, oh, yeah, we see this all the time. She even had a special name for it, boxer's break or something. I don't know what it was. She said, yeah, we see that all the time. She said, just sit tight and we'll get you fixed up. So she started trying to splint it and put some wrap around it and so, so forth. And she said, aren't you Mike Webb? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I was in healing school last week when you were teaching. And I thought to myself, this would have to be the hospital, wouldn't it, where we come? And so I went through my apologies. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. This looks so terrible, and I'm at fault. There's no excuse for it. I got mad and such and such and such. And when we left, I had my hand all bandaged up. And I told, I told God at that point, I said, this has come to an end. I'll never do this again. I will never do this again. Now, for the first time ever in my life, I see the real reason why I need to get a grip on this thing. And from that point forward, I began to speak in tongues for the purpose of strengthening myself spiritually, for the purpose of gaining control of my emotions. And I can't say I was perfect from that point forward, but I began to grow by leaps and bounds. See, folks, when you choose to use the supernatural power, the supernatural ability that God has given you for the purpose that he's given it to you, you'll take giant steps in spiritual development. Giant steps. When I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I had one tape series of Brother Hagin's. The tape series called Mountain Moving Faith. It was in, on cassettes. And I wore those things out. I mean, I literally wore those tapes out. And after I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I went back and listened to them again. I'd listened to them maybe a half dozen times before then. But after I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I went and listened to them again. And I was amazed at what new information there was on those tapes. I don't know how somebody got a hold of them and put new information on them. But I was shocked at how much new information there was on those things. Well, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will teach you. You put yourself in the position where the teacher can teach you. You can't help but learn. And that's one of the great benefits of speaking in other tongues. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. There's a spiritual power. There's a supernatural power that's made available through the speaking in other tongues. When you speak in other tongues, it's your spirit praying. It's your spirit yielding to the Holy Ghost. Now, the last point that I want to make on this, uh, on this part of it at least, is that when you put yourself in a place where the Holy Ghost can lead you, you cannot help but be convinced of the difference between the man on the inside and the man on the outside. See, that's where Paul came to. Paul's struggle is um, summarized with this truth that he, uh, that he came to understand. He understood, came to understand, that the one that was doing wrong was not the real him. He says, my flesh serves the law, but my spirit is serving God. My flesh is out of control in some ways, but my spirit, the real me on the inside, 
with my spirit I serve God. If he had not come to that understanding, if he hadn't come to that revelation, which most of the church world doesn't have, quite frankly, they just look at themselves as one, one being. But you are a spirit being that has a soul and lives in a body. That's what Paul came to understand. When he, when he talks about it's no longer I that do these things, the real man on the inside, the eternal part of man, he always wants to do right. When he came to understand that it was his body that had the experience of sin in it that was pulling him away from what his spirit always wanted to do, the right and the good that his spirit always wanted to do. Paul was stuck where most of the church world was stuck, is stuck. But when he came to that revelation, when he came to the realization that the man on the inside is the real man, he's the eternal man, he's the spirit being that was recreated in the image of God. When he came to understand that, that's when he found victory. That's when he came to understand that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because your spirit always wants to do right. The more time you spend exercising your spirit by praying or speaking in other tongues, the more conscious you become that the real you is on the inside, not on the outside. The real you is the one that's been born again. The real you, the man on the inside, is the one that's been infilled with the Holy Ghost He's the one that's been remade in the image and the likeness of God. It's the real you. When you come to realize that, everything about God's kingdom, everything about the word of God takes on a new meaning. God feels hungry hearts, not complacent ones. Hungry hearts. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give each person in this church, each person under the sound of my voice, a hunger for you that they cannot deny. Stir in us a hunger, Father, that's a greater hunger than anything that we want in life, that's a greater, becomes the greatest pursuit of our lives. And Father, help us to realize the simple truth that when we pray or speak in un- unknown tongues, other tongues, we're exercising our spirit, man. We're coming in line with and conforming ourselves to the image and likeness of God, even the image and likeness of Jesus. Help us, Father, to realize that it's such a simple thing to do, but we have to be diligent in doing it. Cause us to see, Father, that by the help of the Holy Ghost, the strength of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Ghost, We can develop the same character as Jesus and walk in the same love that Jesus walked in. We can come to the place, Father, where we never miss it because we're guided by the spirit of truth. Stir in us that hunger, Father, that no matter what things have been before, from this point on they become new. Old things pass away for real, for sure. For certain. And we walk in that new man. That we've been made. Thank you Holy Spirit. For guiding us into all truth. For. Bringing to our remembrance. All the things that Jesus told us. And for showing us things to come. In Jesus precious name. Amen. Are you hungry for God? 
I am too. Let's trust the Holy Ghost to lead us into a new place. A new dimension. A new level of spiritual development and maturity. It's what God wants. And he's given us the Holy Ghost to affect it. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. You're dismissed.